The reading is taken from Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the sea could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and the priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands, ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders bowed down and worshipped. Father, as we look at this passage together, we want to uh, join in with heaven and worship you and worship the Lamb. Thank you for this time. Amen. Thanks, Christine. Thanks, Jane. And uh, um, it's great to have this opportunity to reflect on what God is saying. Um, Yeah. Did you vote this week in the local elections? Um, now, I don't want to put thoughts into anybody's head, but just maybe some people here might be feeling, you know, 
our Prime Minister, you know, being caught, was it Partygate? Yeah. We might ask, I know, apologies if you're a big fan, but you might ask, is he, is he worthy to be in office? And then the leader of the opposition also is under investigation. We might ask, is he worthy to hold a position of authority? Whatever your political persuasion. It can be a bit depressing when we look around and we see people and we think, wow, they are leaders. How worthy are they? Have you had that sinking feeling when, you know, maybe like a childhood hero, whether it was Jimmy Savile or someone like that, and you think, oh my goodness, when the truth comes out about what they got up, up to behind the scenes. Who is worthy? There's a DJ Tim Westwood just been found as abusing women. And uh, he was really cool, you know. Now his career's over. Another one. And in the church, we're not immune, right? You may hear of, sort of quite well-known church leaders, and then very, very sadly, sometimes after their death, we found out that they were you know, just really not worthy, character-wise, of, of their position of authority. And maybe you too, if you're anything like me, perhaps you just feel sometimes that rather unworthy yourself. Well, John had that experience in Revelation as the one on the throne held a scroll and no one was found. I mean, no one who was worthy to open the scroll. Nobody. And so what did John do? He wept and wept. And sometimes we can feel like weeping and weeping when we look at the news, when we see what's going on in our world. We just lament. We feel... That sense of grieving, because no one is worthy. But then we're told, one of the elders said, do not weep, because there is one who is worthy. We've been singing to him today. His name is Jesus. He gets described as a lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah. And then John is looking for a lion, but he doesn't see a lion, he sees a lamb. He's the lion who is a lamb. Told he's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. He is worthy. Oh, we read that passage in Revelation and there are lots of funny images in it. And... Philip mentioned this last week, and he was right to do so, because you know what? Um, a lot of these images seem kind of weird to us. But most of them are from the Bible. They're from the Old Testament. And I'm just going to have a, a geek moment um, where I'm going to take you very quickly through a few verses in the Old Testament that this passage points to, just to show how much of it... Actually, it's not new. It all comes from the Old Testament. If anyone wants to go and get a cup of tea, <laughs> then that's fine, I get that, no problem. Uh, I won't be upset or offended, but if you'd like to stay with me, then please do. So we've got it on the screen. Um, you see, the first thing that was mentioned in this passage is a scroll. The one on the throne has a scroll in his hand. And that scroll has writing on both sides. Normally a scroll has writing on just one side. Now. This is a reflection of 
the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament, where Ezekiel sees a scroll. He says, I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll. And he unrolled it before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And so the early readers of Revelation and John himself, as he sees this vision of a scroll, he didn't, he'd have instantly thought of Ezekiel. We don't know the Old Testament as well as we might, <laughs> but they did. And so that's why this is, ah, I see, there's a scroll. And that scroll is, has the words of God. It has wor words of God's judgment. It has words of what God's going to do, of history and what God is going to reveal. The next slide, please. Uh, I'm going to do, what's, who's the guy? Pandemic. Next slide, please. Chris Whitty, we'll do that. No, come back. Sorry. No, back. Um, I didn't mean that one. That was too. So Jesus himself is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, at the end of the book of Genesis, Jacob blesses his 12 sons, 12 sons who become the heads of the tribes of Judah. And one of them is called Judah, uh, the, uh, the tribes of Israel, beg your pardon. One's called Judah. And Jacob says to him, you are a lion's cub, Judah. You are like a lion. And then who is Jesus descended from? He's descended from Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so instantly, uh, John and the original readers would have made all those connections. And maybe we do too, if we can put, join the dots. The next one, please. Uh, the root of David. In that day, Isaiah uh, says, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Now, that's not David. Who's Jesse? Jesse James, Jesse Jackson. What? No. <laughs> Jesse is the father of David, of King David. So, there's a connection there. And guess who Jesus is descended from? He's descended from King David. Next one, please. The Lamb. The big, pivotal act of redemption that, that took place in the Old Testament is the Exodus. God delivered people from slavery in Egypt, and as he did so, they had the Passover meal, and what did they do? Each family took a lamb for themselves, and one for each household. And what did they do? They sacrificed the lamb, and they ate the lamb. And then Isaiah picks up in chapter 53, this idea of a lamb led to the slaughter. This is the Messiah. And so when we hear about the lamb in Revelation, instantly those connections of uh, that, 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 that go back to the Old Testament. John himself, in uh, John's Gospel, says, Behold the Lamb of God, it takes away the sins of the world. Next one, please. We hear about these four living creatures. And again, Ezekiel had a vision in chapter 1. The fire was, in, and I, in the fire I saw what looked like four living creatures. These four living creatures represent all of creation. These different animals. And then there's also 24 elders. We, by the way, we don't need 24 elders in this church. Um, just a handful is fine. But in heaven, they have 24 elders. Now, what happened in the Old Testament? In, in the temple, in 1 Chronicles 25, there were 24 groups of musicians leading worship in the temple. They came from different families, and their job was to lead uh, worship. 24 groups, Paul. Uh, that's a lot of people leading worship in the temple. And then, guess what? 12 tribes of Israel We've already talked about them in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, there were 12 disciples. Can anyone do some math? 12 plus 12 equals 24. So the 24 elders represent the whole of God's people. Next slide, please. Now, it talks about the lamb who had seven horns. Now, you might think, that sounds a bit weird. A lamb with seven. Has anyone ever seen a lamb with seven horns? 
We haven't, have we? But this lamb had seven horns. Now the word horn, what horn symbolizes is strength. So here's an example from the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm 75, I will cut off the horns, the strength of the wicked, but the horns, the strength of the righteous, shall be lifted up. So instantly that word horns means strength. Now the lamb has seven horns, and guess what? That makes him very, very, very strong. And then the next one, please. The lamb is also described as having seven eyes. And again, I've never seen a lamb with seven eyes. A lamb with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, we might not make the connection, but there's an instant connection to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. I had to look that up. Who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth rejoice. This, these seven eyes represent the seven spirits of God, which represents the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. This is the last one. We hear also as well that the elders are holding a harp each, but they're also holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And, and, and you know, sometimes we think incense, we think high church and all that, but actually this represents prayer. And then Psalm 141 says, my, May my prayer be set before you as incense. Okay, that's the end of the whistle-stop tour. Are you still with me? More or less. Okay, thank you. Oh, you didn't know. That's very kind of you, Dan. It's... The point is, just in a few verses in the book of Revelation, there are loads and loads of allusions, of, of reflections of what is in the Old Testament. Lots of people think, yeah, Revelation is really weird, and we, we, we do. But it comes, it gets explained when we read the rest of the Bible. Because the rest of the Bible is kind of pointing to its fulfillment in this picture. They say all roads lead to Rome. And all the verses, all the different books, all of these different chapters, all these different visions in the Old Testament and New, where do they lead to? They ultimately lead to this place, to the throne of God, to the Lamb who is at the center of the throne. All throughout Scripture, it's like little different puzzle pieces gradually being fitted together and then you get the fulfillment we see it here in revelation then i saw a lamb when i was growing up I used to love superman did anyone watch the superman films yeah and, and he had a double personality you know he was clark kent sort of mild-mannered and then he was superman with his cape And he could, you know, he could do, you know, he flies around the world, does everything, you know. And Jesus has this double identity. He's a lion, yes, triumphant, but he's also the lamb. When I was growing up, I had, I, in my mind's image, I always believed there was a God, but, but he was kind of a distant figure. I used to imagine, oh, God must be like far, far, far away. Untouchable. But then I looked and I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, murdered, slaughtered, blood dripping down. At the heart of God is not just a superpower. 
that the heart of God is not someone who's not worthy. The heart of God is a lamb who's given himself for you and for me. And he's given himself because no one else was worthy. They sing a song, you are worthy. Take the scroll, open it, seals, the seals one by one represent uh, unfolding of God's plan. You're worthy, why? Because you were slain. By your blood you purchased people. You bought them back. We were slaves, but God bought your freedom. Then I saw a lamb. What is our calling? It's to worship God. When we talk about orientation, we might think of sexual orientation. But what I want to think about today is where is your orientation with regards to worship? Who are you basing? Who are your eyes fixed on? I feel so encouraged because we're joining with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. You're right, Paul, we don't have a gospel choir here but we've got the, the choir of heaven singing with us. Do you ever fall into the trap of, if you're a doer, I'm a bit of a doer, I like to do stuff. I've always got my to-do list. Thinking that worship is a little bit of a waste of time. Think, well, Lord, I, I could be doing this, I could be doing that instead of worshiping you. It's all very well. You, if you've got time to get lost in worship, that's great. But I've got stuff to do. Of course, worship is more than the singing, right? It's a whole lifestyle. And we can worship God mowing the lawn or whatever you do. Or is it no mow mo may? I don't know. When we get distracted by, well, I don't like that song, I prefer this song. Which we do, right? I've yet to find a church where everybody's completely happy with the worship. I'm glad you are so happy. But you know what? It, get over it. <laughs> Sorry. But, you know, if I had my way, we'd be singing jazz every Sunday morning. <laughs> we'd have a smaller congregation. It would be better, though. <laughs> but it's not the point, is it? Because we're just called to worship. I found that when I'm worshiping, God gives me ideas. I can even get strategic ideas. I've been trying to work them out by myself and I, I can't. I can't get them, but when I just worship, 
God just dropped something into my head. Oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Wasn't expecting it. But I was more aware of him and his presence than of my own ideas. And it's like he's saying, I know you're thinking about this. I know you're trying to work this pro little problem out. Well, here you go. <laughs> just worship me. And it will all come clear. We said a couple of weeks about how, how God makes us into priests and God makes us into a kingdom. But what we didn't say was what gets said here in verse 10. You, by your blood, because you were slain, because you purchased people, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the lamb upon the throne. We're not on the throne, and yet his authority is given to us as well. And what that means is that when we're praying, we're not groveling, powerless. Actually, we have spiritual authority. And in our world, which is struggling, we have authority over the darkness, over the plans of the devil. Why? Because he's made us to be a kingdom and priests who will reign forever. Now I know we don't see the fullness of that, what, which we will do one day, but we do see it. We pray your kingdom come, as Gene did earlier, and Jesus didn't get us to pray that just for the end game, it's for now too. It's a daily prayer, right? <laughs> your kingdom come. Jesus reigns. And we will reign with him. Do you know that's who you are? You are royalty. We're going to celebrate the queen in a few weeks, aren't we? And rightly so. But you are royalty too. Royal family. How does it feel? It's a huge privilege, right? says it more in Revelation 7, but here, starting to say it here, that there are people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Thank God for diversity. Thank God for different languages and different colours and different races and cultures and different ways of worshipping. Don't despise who you are. Celebrate what I am, who God has made me to be. And you, when you come to worship with others, you bring vitality, you bring richness. Sometimes we think, oh, well, no one will notice if I don't turn up at church. We do notice, but it's only because we love you. And when you come and worship, you bring something. You know, I, like, I, I welcome people to come up the front and share what God has laid on their heart, but also just, you know, we're here, we worship together. I've tried preaching with no one in the room. It doesn't work. And people don't respond. <laughs> the chairs don't, <laughs> chairs don't respond. <laughs> so the call today is to worship and just to fix our eyes on the Lamb upon the throne. He's standing at the center of the throne. 
at the centre. The centre of God is not indifference. It's not distance. But it's self-sacrificial love that is also victorious. And he's done it because he loves you. Pure and simple. So can we stand, please? If you're able. And we want to give ourselves in worship to God. Now, as we said earlier, worship isn't just about the singing, it's about a lifestyle. So I just want you to, even as we stand here, God's people, remember that your prayers come up before the throne as incense. You know, incense is a good smell. And you think, sometimes you pray, if you're like me, you pray a prayer, you think it's a rubbish prayer. But somehow, there's a filtration system that works. By the time it reaches the throne, it's like incense. It's beautiful. Your prayers are beautiful. You think, wow, a bit of a mess. Doesn't matter. Didn't get the English grammar right. I think we can forgive you. Let's just lift our hearts to God. Before the music starts, we just worship. Now, if you want to say something out loud, you, wanna, you can just pray. If you want to praise, just praise. If you want to lift out your hands in worship, then just do that. Be yourself in God's presence. He knows you. But let's fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, and he's the lamb upon the throne. Hallelujah.